0: Alrighty, healers. Thank you for joining me on my first collaboration of 2023 on Feel the Heal with Daisy. Today I have brought Jason. You can follow him on Instagram at Saints of Flow on IG, and that will be in my show notes. Uh, Jason is a flow coach. So Jason and I decided uh, to bring him on here. We have talked a few times outside of this podcast and our conversations were so flowy and fluid and organic and um we really align with a lot of the stuff that we do so we I was like you know what you need to come on my show and let the listeners get a taste of what he does and his energy and um we thought what better time we kind of were talking about this a couple months ago really what better time than the new year, how to really set the tone of your new years with being in flow and being in alignment with your authenticity. So to get started, I want to ask Jason and allow him to kind of elaborate what is being a flow coach all about and what does flow or being in flow really mean to you?
1: I think, well, first of all, thank you for the lovely introduction. I really did enjoy our conversations and I'm excited to chat with you today and get to know your audience a little bit. And I think the way I answer that question is, first of all, everyone kind of has their own definition of what being in flow is to them. I think for a topic like flow, sometimes looking at what it's not can serve as a useful starting point. So I think of what is flow? Not flow is definitely not force, force being that which we're putting more and more energy into something and getting less and less results. Mm. Um, So I think of flow really as being a place where we're putting in continually less and less effort and getting more and more results as a benefit of that. And what I help people do is understand in their own thinking in their own mindsets in their own habits in their own patterns in the way that they've organized their life how can they set it up to be easier and easier to get more and more of what they want
0: wow so when you're saying like getting what you want and these results is it material physical or do you just mean in general like energetic goals ambitions
1: What a fantastic question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting what you want, like understanding what you even want, I think is one of the places that I, when I I first started working with the coach about two and a half years ago, and he would ask like, "What, what do you want? And I would say, I don't even really know. Like, I just want something sort of better than what I have now. Like I have a nice life. Things are good. I have this sense of you know, wanting more. And it led me down this sort of path of recognizing that what I truly seek, and I think what most people truly seek are is certain emotional experiential states of being. So, oh, I'm in this place of of joy. I'm in this place of appreciation. I'm in this place of pleasure. And what we, what a lot of our life is spent doing is seeking strategies that will give us those internal experiences. So, oh, I go to the gym so that I can get in shape, so that I can look good, so that when I'm walking down the street, I feel confident. Um, mm. And so, when I think about what I really want, it's it's those emotional states and everything above that that kind of leads to that core experiential state would be strategy. So the the, the external world I think of as more of strategy and the internal world is more of what people tend to want whether, whether or not they know that up front <laughs> whether or not they know that up front yeah.
0: That's interesting too cuz you're saying the word strategy. So and when you say strategy like you said you you perceive that as more being like outside um so is would you say strategy is more tangible effort, like things that you can experience in a tangible way?
1: Another really, really good question. I think the the distinction between strategy and want is one of the core things that I use. Um, and I, like, I really think of strategy um, as anything that is not an internal experience. Um, so even something like having a relationship, even like a goal, um, and I personally used to hear the word strategy and that was like a dirty word to me. <laughs> like I heard strategy. I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's gross. I don't want that. But thinking about it now, it's like everything that we're doing is strategy. And then how much of what we're experiencing, what we want is, is our wants, which i and I, as I say all this, I don't know if I'm answering your question per se, but maybe that answer your question um, with a kind of non-answer. or Do you have more questions with that? Because I think this is so important.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like what you're saying, because actually the way that you describe that kind of makes me think of the way that I would describe a strategy from a trauma-informed por- perspective, which is like we have these mechanisms, we have these uh actually in, in trauma language, we call them adaptive strategies or maladaptive strat- strategies. And it's it actually isn't an external thing though, from trauma-informed perspective, it's this like internal survival response that's happening to life that we develop really young. And so I guess from you, what you're kind of describing, it's making me think that from a flow perspective, or like, how do we get into being in flow? It's how do we bring in this conscious awareness into the strategies that are at play, maybe unconsciously, or on autopilot? And how do we develop like a very intentional programming, like whether it's, you know, I'm going to start to engage in these behaviors, or I'm going to start this practice as my form of strategy, which is Something I'm doing in a very conscious way, so that I can reset whatever you know the quote unquote strategy is happening below my level of consciousness. Does that kind of align a, hundred, a little
1: bit? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think a hundred percent. I think of bringing awareness to the strategies that we're choosing is. And again, like if we're if it's if it's something that's happening subconsciously, we're not really choosing that thing per se, but it still is like a strategy that we're acting out like, oh, I did this thing like I yelled at my partner, I drank a bunch of beer, I went to the gym, I, you know, meditated, these are all strategies, whether or not they're conscious or not, is up to the individual, I think, to your point bringing a conscious awareness to the strategies we're choosing and the results that we're getting from those strategies is the foundational practice of what of how i live my life and how i kind of encourage my clients to live their life like i think for instance starting a business is a strategy that allows me to experience confidence that allows me to experience personal growth that allows me to experience all of these things. It's not like, it's not like correct. It's not better. It just seems to be a strategy for me personally that leads to more of what I want.
0: That's interesting. So I think to what you said, you had mentioned earlier about being in flow is almost like, uh, the path, the path, not maybe Maybe it is the path of least resistance where like you're putting in this work, you're working towards something, but you're getting this energetic exchange that's more nourishing, more fulfilling, building more momentum. And so like, let's say we want to look at these quote strategies that are unconscious versus conscious strategies. The unconscious ones, which are more our programming and our autopilot, those are probably these like survival strategies where- they are more draining because like when you're in survival energy and let's say one person could be going to the gym and it's coming from a place of survival of like, I need to go to the gym. I need to be this fit in order to feel safe and to feel worthy. And so therefore it's actually draining more of my energy because it's exhausting a lot of this survival in order to just try to feel loved. And like you mentioned even before, you know, what motivates us is this state. We want to be in a certain state and we want to have these guiding emotional states. So um, but when we're seeking it and chasing it from a survival place, it's actually going to take more of our energy, exhaust more of our energy and actually take us more out of flow, take us more out of authenticity versus let's say there's another person that goes to the gym And they're like, wow, every time I go to the gym, I just feel this, you know, empowered feeling and all of a sudden like I'm eating better and my conversations with people are better. And it's so it's like this is something that's very in flow for another person because it's a it's a conscious strategy that they see is creating, a you know, a positive energetic reward. After that, kind of like trickles into other areas of their life.
1: A 100%. Yeah, the, the, those both of those examples I think are so illustrative of how most people live. I, I I would say most people are terrible at picking strategy, and myself included. Like most people, before I started this practice, was like, oh, okay, i I'm, I'm gonna do these things so that I can feel this way. And there's a lot of force associated with, oh, going to the gym, oh, meditating, oh, doing certain things that we kind of look at as like, these are just things that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to force myself to do them, but they don't actually work that well. And at least for that particular person, for that individual. And so most people I find are, are going down the path of picking bad strategy. Not that it's like morally bad, but just that it's not effective for them experiencing things that the way that that, in the way that they want. Um, So that person who's very good at who goes to the gym and has a great experience like that. How did they get there? Did they, were they always that way? Did they find the gym after experimenting with a bunch of other, they tried yoga, they tried this, they tried that, you know, I think experimentation is a huge part of this. Of being willing to be open to trying different strategy, understanding how it actually impacts your energy, and then choosing subjectively, choosing based on their own experience, what actually works for them, I think is like the thing that we don't really get taught how to do that necessarily, and it's not really a natural thing. And I think it's something that is so valuable and something that can be applied to all areas of your life, not just your health, going to the gym, but in your work, in your business, in your relationships, all it can apply, that type of thinking can apply all over.
0: Wow. So what's the, um, what have you found the starting point to be? Do you find that like your clients are at this point of desperation that finally gets them to a willingness to be like, okay, I'm ready to take inventory and take stock of the strategies at play and see if they're actually working or is it people that already have strategies that are working? What do you find the most in the work that you do?
1: Really good question. I I think maybe an interesting way to answer this would be to speak from my experience. Um, which was I started working with a coach in 2020 and to the on the outside world I was doing all of the strategies that I thought I was supposed to so I had graduated from an ivy league school I was working at a a extremely uh, well-funded and high impact startup, working with AI and kind of changing the the way that internal support operations took place at big, large companies. And it was this really exciting thing. I was in a relationship with a woman who was very beautiful, very smart. She was Forbes 30 under 30. We lived in a beautiful apartment together. All of the things that most people think about would really give you the experiences that you want. And I just had, I remember driving around at one point, just being like, whoa, am I going to just wake up and I'm going to be 40 and I'm like living this life and I feel absolutely nothing. And it's like this thing that I'm supposed to have, um, but it's really not lighting me up. And so I started working with a coach and and I've moved cities, changed careers, the whole thing, but every single step of the way has kind of been in flow, I think when it when it comes to my clients every single person has been different in one way or the other i think the common thread i'm trying to like think through all of them (laughs) i think the common thread would be yeah this this sense that something's missing like i often work with people that like are in a reasonably good place but there's a saying of like you you kind of attract people very similar to you that that want to work with you. So I think there's there's some element of my story in a lot of my clients.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean that naturally that makes sense. Um cuz I know too in the coaching world it's like um you have to be a dream client in order to attract your dream clients. <laughs> you know? And so it's like what you know, you attract people that are seeking something that you have, you know, there's a level of resonance there. And it's probably like, we're talking about like these unconscious strategies, like when our, when we get to a point of willingness, we unconscious, it's like that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears almost. So it's like, where the students appear when they're ready for what you, you've been preparing to teach, almost. So that's really interesting because what you're describing is basically, you know, society's conditioning of what success is going to be looking like. And if you get to this point, you should be satisfied and fulfilled. And it's basically all that external things. So we when you get there, that's when you're kind of like a lot of people have that dark night of the soul where they why don't I feel the way that, you know, this society is Promised me I would feel once I've arrived. And so you end up, I think it, something that keeps coming up in my mind is the Carl Jung qu- quote, that's until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. And so it's like, we're all, <laughs> we're, we're all just, you know, unconsciously <laughs> being driven by these like survival and conditioning, uh, you know, strategies, as you'd say, until we get to a point of desperation or just realization. And again, for a lot of people, it's this like dark night of the soul experience where they say, whoa, like I am not in flow. My life is draining and they reach a point. I almost think where they say, I don't believe what I've been told anymore. I don't believe that this is it. I don't believe that it should feel this way being at this level of my life. Maybe I I feel like people start to shift and start going. I think there could be more to this. I think I could have a job that's fulfilling, nourishing, and energizing. I think I could have a relationship that is energizing and empowering and uplifting. I think I could have X, Y, and Z. And so... Maybe, as you said, people are motivated by their emotional states, their emotional states almost motivate them into saying there's more than this and this isn't enough. So to circle all the way back to what you originally said, you start your flow journey maybe when you get so out of flow that you are motivated to do something else.
1: Yeah, I I I was chuckling at certain parts of that story because I I feel like we've all lived that. Or I mean, maybe not everyone, but I know a lot of people. When I have conversations with them, they're like, "I see my friends doing the thing, and, and my like they're happy, but like I'm just I'm different. I don't know what it is. Like I see everyone living this like quote unquote normal life, and that's just not for me. And it's uh yeah, it's what a beautiful time in one's life when they for whatever reason whether it's yeah their emotions their they're kind of like distaste for their own emotional state leading to this thing whether it's just purely inspiration they see this thing or this person who's living a particular way and they just see it and they're like i'm ready i think i don't know this is bringing up a, a story of so my my coach julian who's the coach of a handful of my friends and is like just kind of a whisperer character i what led me to start working with him was like i i I mentioned i kind of had this experience of myself in my own life and i saw one of my friends who had been working my friend john had been working with him for about 10 months at this point and John was like gonna head down to LA or something and John is the most force-based person of all time he just like if if there was anyone who could make force work it's my friend John and uh <laughs> <laughs> and he he was like he just he he was like you know I don't think LA is going to happen this weekend. He was, he was, we were we were in San Francisco. He's like, I, I just don't think LA, I just don't, don't think it's in flow. And I was like, okay, I want to work with your coach. <laughs> if you, if you, if, because I know John for five years, it's like, if I, I saw like the thing that I could tell John every day, but You know, he wouldn't necessarily listen. It would be like, you know, be more in flow, be more in tune with things, whatever. But to see it happen, I was like, I want that for myself. Mm -hmm. I want it, I want someone to help guide me in the areas that I'm blind to. In and I don't even know what's gonna happen. I remember telling that to Julian on our first call. It's like, I don't even really know where we're going. I just know somewhere is. I know if you can take him here, you can take me somewhere amazing. (laughs) So I don't know if that like answers your question. I don't even think you had a question necessarily, but I I felt, felt called to share that story.
0: Well, I do love that you shared that story because it just is, it's making me think of, you know, I identify myself as I'm more of like a somatic practitioner and coach. Mm. So I do a lot of body work. I'm really, That's what I put emphasis on is the body, because for me, that was my foundation. That was when I had this huge, I had already had a spiritual awakenings and I had already had, you know, these psychic changes where I was seeing the world, you know, they say like you put, once you put the spiritual goggles on, you can't like take them off. Like I had already had those experiences and I was living this path for like many years, but I just was still so asleep to all of my conditioning and, um, and my autopilot mechanisms, the unconscious drivers, I was so asleep to it because I was lacking that attunement to my body and the profound, you know, resource of our sensory cues in the body. And as you said, you know, like the whole emphasis of being in flow and not being in flow or our strategies, it's all comes back to the feelings and the emotional states that are, that are motivating us. And so it's interesting because you have to have, as you're describing, like this friend of yours, he was probably always in what a lot of the world experiences which is this stress response of just go 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 that's normal to them and they don't know that that's not a flow state because it's actually what our society is built on is make quick decisions go 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 productivity um and so that's a lot of people's normal state in their bodies and in their nervous systems they're like always in this kind of sympathetic activation and so at one point, he I guess he had he had cultivated this level of attunement to his body that I'm assuming the body is somewhere at play in all of this, which is what I'm getting at here is I was going to ask you, like, how how did you develop? Because I'm assuming when you you know you're not in flow because you can feel it. You can feel it in your body. You can feel it in your muscles, in in everything. So, I guess that's you know what what would you have to say about that?
1: yeah. I mean, I agree one hundred percent that it's all about your somatic experience. it's It's all about how you feel in your body. and and it's it seems to me that most people simply lack an awareness of what's actually going on and like to to your point. and it's something that, for me personally, I think there's two things, two two general points. I think one, I I've always been a pretty sensitive person. Like uh, <laughs> my astrology, like I'm a I'm a Cancer, so I've always been kind of mm. like very in touch with my emotions. Um,
0: water signs in general.
1: Water signs in general are it, yeah. very
0: um, deep. I mean, the nature of water. There's a lot that you know, goes on below the surface
1: for sure. And I, I've, I've, I've kind of always experienced an element of that throughout my life. And then I've also practiced understanding, understanding, and I, we spoke about this earlier, but really understanding what are the experiential states that I actually want and what do those feel like in my body?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I've seen different ways of people practicing this sensitivity. Um, My partner was just showing me how she's in a mentorship group and the woman who is doing the mentorship group had just simply written down on index cards, like the, on each index card, one word that would be like, um, inspired, um, drained, whatever. And, and so she would have like 150, 175 different emotional states. And she would practice in any moment, kind of just look through the cards to remember, Hey, what are the, what are the words that humans use to even describe these things? And, Oh, um, yeah, that's, Oh, I am feeling a little bit perturbed, <laughs> you know, mm. and uh, just to under and what I would like to be feeling is mm, uh, mystical, you know, whatever whatever it may be. And so, like practices like that can allow you to create an experience for yourself in the moment, which I think is one of the foundational pieces of flow is is creating from the experience that you want now versus like creating from stress, creating from anxiety, thinking that this thing will save you. It's like, okay, now that I'm embodied in this state of magic and confidence and play, what do I want to create to further this? (laughs) As I've gone on this story, I'm not exactly sure what you even asked, but (laughs)
0: No, I love it. I mean, that's, that's great. It's like you're, uh, it's such a great resource even for listeners to hear about how to develop a conscious relationship with different type of experiential states, different emotional states that you can, you know, try to maximize in your life and go, what's going to maximize this state for me in my life? What actions, what Plans, what goals are going to help maximize the states that I'm trying to be embodied in more often? And then what's going to minimize these other states, which I think is such a valid, you know, coming back to strategy, like creating a strategy just around that of what's going to help me. Because obviously, too, which this is another question I wanted to get to, which is, you know, we're humans, we're here to experience it all. We're here to experience the pleasant and unpleasant. And so, you know, yes, and this is even what I teach in treatment centers. I, you know, people who are coming out of like full on post-traumatic stress disorder, I try to help them develop an an awareness of what are my cues of safety? Like what are my cues that are, that make me feel safe and comfortable and have the ability to process my traumas and what are the cues that keep me in this stress response. And so I try to, you know, help them identify because it's very relative, it's different for every person, especially based on our different histories and life experiences. But I think too, based on the experiences you've shared and the examples, when we're transitioning from being in an unconscious autopilot state that's guiding us into learning how to be in an authentic flow state, we're going to experience a lot of unpleasant emotional states because we're, we're purging. I feel like we're purging a lot of like the traumas we're purging the um, identities that we had, that we were so embodied in that weren't in alignment with how we truly wanted to show up. And it's painful. Like it's painful, to transition into a flow state. And so how do you help clients and, or even share your personal experience? How do you navigate the deeply painful and unpleasant and undesirable emotional states that are actually getting you into flow?
1: Yeah. What a, what a cool topic because I, I often have this experience with clients where they'll unlock like the most incredible flow states of their life. And it, 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 it sometimes happens month three. Sometimes it's like after our first call, sometimes it even starts once they even agree to do a consultation, things start shifting. And then the reason why I set my container for my one-on-one coaching for six months is because often within that time is when there's, a major, major challenge or threat to that experience that they've created for themselves. And what the way that the the frame that I've used to think about that and the frame that I've kind of been thought or been taught is that one of the responsibilities of our subconscious mind is to keep us alive, which in order to keep us alive, means to keep us safe and for the subconscious what that means is keeping us in situations that we know because if we've lived through it before our subconscious can say yes you might not like this abusive relationship your third time where you're with an abusive partner who you know drinks or is emotionally or physically abusive you may not like that but you actually know that we're going to survive this thing because we're still living now and you know how to do that. So for me, what I often recognize is this fear and it it still creeps up for me from time to time, but this fear that, that there's really this fear of things being different. And If I notice that and I notice, okay, when that happens, I tend to throw up all sorts of resistance. I get confused. I get like, (laughs) I get correct about things. I just like, I go and I'm like, oh, okay. This is my subconscious throwing this stuff out there to keep me on the path that it already knows is going to be safe. And I see it all the time with my clients. And the thing that I guide them through to me that frame of looking at it as, okay, my, this is my subconscious keeping me safe. Like it's not necessarily correct. Like, you know, how would you ever prove that? I don't know, but looking at it that way allows for me and my clients to have almost a conversation with that part of ourselves that is uncomfortable, that is scared, that is throwing Mm -hmm. up all sorts of resistance. And I think you, at least for me, I get to have the opportunity to have a conversation with that part of me. Oh, what is it that you're actually really scared about? Is there any way that we could do this that it would be less scary? Um, is, would it be easier if we did this? Um, that, developing that relationship with your, with the parts of you that are either scared, your inner child, like developing that kind of collaborative best friend type relationship to me has been the most successful, most useful antidote to the fear that, that wants to keep us doing exactly what we've already done.
0: Wow. I love that. And it, it's making me think that, you know, cause safety is such an interesting term and safe. Because I think a lot of people new to doing any type of healing or personal development work that, you know, at least from my experience, that word safe and safety really took on such a radical different definition as I healed and as I developed in my personal journey. Because I thought safety meant physical safety. I thought my subconscious mind just wanted to make sure I was physically safe, you know, and that's what safety is and when you think of it in that way, you actually invalidate and minimize a lot of times you were not safe and the way the subconscious is truly wired in our bodies is it's not safety is not just in um, being, you know, safe in a physical way, it's being safe in connection like our subconscious wants connection and it wants safety and they go hand in hand because when we're a social species and so really nowadays based on how most of us live especially in the western world a lot of us our safety is drawn from a sense of connection and when we don't have that sense of connection it our bodies go into that survival of I'm not safe anymore and so we are on autopilot craving the connection that we've been programmed to be used to, which might be, you know, abusive partners or just like emotionally unavailable partners or, you know, types of connection that just aren't authentic to us. It's not how our spirit, our true nature wants and desires connection. And so for, we have to almost lose those old ways of connecting which is going to put us in an unfamiliar territory. It's going to make us feel unsafe a little bit. The subconscious is going to go, whoa, 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 this doesn't feel safe. And like you're talking about, it's comforting that inner part of you. That's going, no, no, no. Remember we're, we're trying this new way of connecting. Now we're not unsafe. We're just, we're trying a new way of connecting and, I love that you brought that up because truly I feel like the root of that all is the connection we have with ourselves, the deep, profound inner connection. And you just walked us through that. You walked us through how we have to really develop that practice of attuning to that inner dialogue and saying, and seeing how, you know, what are the fears here? And really they're just fears of disconnection in some capacity and when we really attune to that we are able to align our strategy you know in a conscious way with what we really are desiring out of life and in in a very authentic way um so i'm just thinking how we can transition this into kind of like the collective uh how to how to wrap all of this into a package to help people just start this in the new year and how to start this practice of, you know, no matter where they're at on their journey, how did they start building this mentality and uh, bodily awareness of flow and how to, how to kind of navigate that?
1: Oh, what a, what an amazing question. Uh, what an amazing challenge. Um, what an amazing challenge, because I think I, I like how you framed it as wherever anyone is on their journey, um, because hopefully wherever anyone is, they can apply whatever we come up with to, <laughs> to that. And I think what's coming up for me is this idea of practicing in a non-judgmental way what actually works for them in their energy. And like I'll, I'll throw out an example, and we'll see if we can work backwards into something more generic. But say, for instance, it's it's going to the gym. A, pr- a process might look like, what is it that I want to experience out of going to the gym? Mm, I want to experience confidence. I want to experience vitality. I want to experience vibrancy. And then asking themselves, okay, gym is one option for that. Are there any other options that I have? Can I make a prediction about which option is most likely to lead to me actually experiencing those things in full? and then treating it more of like an experiment and, and from a place of curiosity, just to to learn what works from themselves, rather than it being something where it's like, Oh, I need to go to the gym five times this, this week, uh, because otherwise I'm lazy. I'm a bad person. <laughs> and I don't deserve to, to feel the way I want. Um, so that's, what's coming up for me is, is this practice of, identifying a strategy that we're, we're choosing whether or not it's something that's conscious, whether or not it's something that's unconscious asking ourselves what we think that it will lead to is in terms of our emotional state and then opening the path to other potential strategies, choosing those things and then evaluating. I think that, is coming to me as like a thing that no matter where anyone's at, they can use that and hopefully find themselves more in flow, putting less and less effort into getting what it is that they want. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I love I love that, like what you're saying. And I think too um what as you say less effort, I think again, just going back to kind of what we were previously talking about. For the listeners, it's also important for them to realize, like, yes, over time it will it will be the le- less effort. But when you're shifting into this flow state, it's uncomfortable at first because you're doing something new. It's just a natural uh, side effect of what's happening because you're disrupting old strategies, you're disrupting old patterns of behavior that have been guiding you unconsciously and actually causing more energetic drain. But so when you're any, the very nature of shifting any, you know, strategy or pattern, it's going to feel like an effort at first. It's just more over time doing that, you know, strategic inventory and saying, okay, wow, am I getting a different type of energy exchange here? Is there a different type of energetic return as I'm shifting into you know, behavior behaviors and action plans that feel more in alignment for me. And so I guess that's also why it's so beneficial to have a coach because they can work with you one-on-one to help you evaluate those things, help you with the accountability and help you to investigate those things that you're maybe not seeing and, um, tap into it a little bit deeper, especially more in the energetic way. Right. Wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, like I still work with my coach and I still have places where you get to examine, oh, wow. Is that, am I making assumptions here? Or is that a, is that a real experience thing? Like, like you said before, we're humans. We have a lot of layers of programming. We have a lot of habits built up that we've learned that we've learned and developed over a lifetime, not all of which are really serving us. There's a lot, there can be a lot of discomfort. There can be a lot of fear. There can be a lot of garbage that comes up really <laughs> in, in, in taking on this process. So yeah, absolutely. I think um, having someone, creating that space really for yourself, I think is, is so valuable. It's it's hard to state the value. I think uh, when I look around at my friends, like people in my life who are doing amazing things, they all have coaches. It seems it's like it's mm. just you know it's it just I'm like and then I start I'm like whoa okay I just start looking out in the world. I'm like I wonder if they're working with this person. Like it's just uh, I start realizing like that the people who are really moving and shaking and creating their own path in their life. They're not doing it alone. Um, and that's something I just see more and more.
0: Yes. Wow. I love that. So I'm going to give you a chance. Um, I'm going to put everything in our show notes. Um, but two questions. One, first question, are you taking one-on-one clients? So if we have any listeners out there, um, that are interested in working with you? Are you currently taking on clients?
1: I would say it's, it's a case by case basis right now. So what I do is consultation calls and I just determine I want to go through what it is that you're wanting for yourself, what it is that you want to create, where you're getting stuck, kind of determine together if it's going to be a good fit. I invest a lot of my own personal energy into it. So I'm fairly selective with who I work with in that sense, I want to make sure that there's a really strong energetic match. So yes, I guess is the answer to that. Um, and people can reach out to me on Instagram and actually if, if people are on Instagram to an earlier point, if, if people want to just reach out and share their process or, or share the results of, working through what we've spoken about i would i would absolutely love to hear from you if if what we've spoken about has been useful you're getting stuck anything just let me know but um in terms of if people are interested in that consultation call they can just send me a direct message on instagram
0: amazing great yeah so uh like jason said we want to hear from everyone listening and so um definitely i'll even leave a Uh, like a poll or like a question in our show notes to see if anyone wants to respond there. But again, like you can follow me, uh, Feel the Heal with Daisy on Instagram and Saints of Flow uh, is where Jason's at. Both will be in the show notes. Are there any last shout outs or following words? Like, do you want to hype yourself up a little bit for a second or anything else you want to say before we close?
1: Hi, I actually would want to, turn that back to you and just give you some appreciation, give you a little love. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I really enjoy the way that you responded to some of the things that I, you know, I'm kind of like exploring them with you as we're going along and you kind of add your own piece and and ask really good questions and steer the conversation in such a lovely way. And, like I, I like, like we spoke about earlier, I really enjoyed our last conversation, and I've really enjoyed the conversation today. So I just want to appreciate you, say thank you, um, and yeah, that's that's all I have for that. <laughs> so thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, and I I hope that our listeners get just as much out of this because, like I say, every podcast I do truly is like a spiritual experience for me. I always get something out of it. I always feel like spirit is talking to me in some way. And that's always my goal for the listeners is just to get a more expansive perspective in some way even if it's like a 1% shift for them. So I'm honestly really positive about this. Like I always get hyped up about the podcast. So I know at least one person is impacted. It's always <laughs> me. <laughs> so
1: so I mean
0: I'm a, it's a win-win for me, but um definitely we want to hear from everyone. So thank you again Jason and give him a follow and let us know what you think everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
1: And I think it's perfect that it's f- 55, 50.